You're listening to Arsenal Pass, a flesh and blood podcast for players by players. And all about strategy, leveling up, and the latest news in the world of Wraith. Welcome to Arsenal Pass. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 31 of Arsenal Pass. I'm Brennan Patrick, joined always by calling champion Hayden Dale. Hayden, how are you doing? Brennan, I'm uh, pretty good. I'm pretty good. <laughs> so today we'll be doing a re, uh, you know, recap of the Calling Orlando as well as the U.S. National Championship that happened last weekend. This event was my first time actually meeting Hayden in the flesh and blood. And we're going to be recording this podcast in person for the first time. So Hayden is sitting right next to me. Um, but anyway, it was a really long weekend. A lot of great events. We had a fantastic time. But might be a longer, longer podcast. So let's kick it off and get into the news. Yeah, let's do it. Um, so we're sitting at the table here. And read the news together for the first time. We kick it off. We had a bit of a, a bit of an amendment from last week. We talked about the supplemental set, and we thought there was going to be some information that came out in Orlando this weekend at the national championship, alongside the calling. Uh, it's actually November sixteenth, not November, not November sixth. Uh, so got that got that a little wrong. So uh, the the more information on the supplemental set is coming out, uh, as it sounds like end of next week, following Monday. Uh, I, think, I imagine that's going to be dates. Uh, set card numbers you know that usually the set facts that come out before our preview season starts and a date for previous seasons so a little bit of amendment to, to last week's pod and time in the round where we did talk about that and, uh, didn't have quite the right information so just wanted to go back and, and uh, confirm that next on the news though just want to start with a big congratulations to uh, Tarek Patel who is now the US national champion the first ever United States flesh and blood national champion taking it out yesterday as we record and of course to uh, Michael Hamilton who won the calling as well so just a massive weekend here in Orlando where we've been uh, of course with flesh and blood with the calling and nationals it was pretty surreal to be in the building as a, a national champion and a calling champion with both crowned so big shout outs to them wanted to say as well there were 10 national championships over the weekend so uh, not just the US national championships that of course uh, Brennan was playing in and I was here as well playing in the calling but we had Germany, we had Austria, um, we had Malaysia. So there was a lot of national championships happening around the world this past weekend. And so I just want to say a big congratulations to all of the, you know, those that top aided, those that won. Um, I believe that, you know, for the top cut, I think in any national championship, you get a PTI, right? So that's a pretty, pretty important thing for those that, that made the top aided nationals and also went on to, of course, claim, claim their trophy and become for most of them, I think outside of uh, Malaysia, I think Malaysia maybe had this last year. These are the first time crowning a, a flesh and blood national champion in these countries. So the inaugural national championship, which is a, is a cool thing. Yeah, and continuing on with events, big shout out to Mr. Zach Bunn, won the, the actual the Pro Quest on Sunday. So mm-hmm. last event of the season, last chance to get his PTI. Um, did go, I think it was, was it 9-0 to go undefeated, yep, get his pro tour invite. So super, super excited for him. I actually put up a video on Twitter if you want to see it, <laughs> <laughs> capturing the moment when he wins. It's pretty great. Um, but anyway, on the Arsenal Pass YouTube channel, we did have a new gameplay go up. It's Kano versus Dorinthia, um, as well as a Viscerai deck tech video. So Viscerai, I mean, just quickly want to say looking very good in the current meta. You'll see Matt Rogers powered it to a pretty good finish. I think he got third or fourth in the, in the calling. Um, and it also kind of beats up on that, you know, ever popular lightning briar deck. <laughs> uh, yeah. And here, just want to you know, obviously shout out to all, to all the patrons. It's been amazing so far. Tons of support, you know, climbing over around 300 at this moment. So just incredible. If you're not familiar, Arsenal Passes have tons of extra content over on Patreon. So like I said, with the Viscera deck tech, 
Uh, we, you know, over on the Patreon, we do have, you know, the cyborg guide, deck notes, theory, all that kind of stuff. So you need to, everything you need to pick it up and start being competitive as well as exclusive podcasts and a live session every month. And finally, um, we did meet a lot of patrons in person for the we first did. time. So that was pretty cool. That was awesome. <laughs> that was actually, yeah, one of the highlights of my weekend was was meeting, you know, our awesome listeners, viewers, uh, and patrons, of course. And we actually, we had a meetup on Sunday evening with a few of our patrons just uh, down the road from the event center. So we got to chat a bit more uh, and catch up. And I'm sure, I'm sure in the future we'll, we'll do that again. Uh, it was a great opportunity just to, to meet and see people outside of the venue. You know, it's a bit hectic inside the venue uh, at times. There's a lot of things happening, going between rounds, things like that. But yeah, just want to say a big, a big thank you and a big shout out to all those that um, came and said hello and made me feel so welcome here in Orlando as well. My first time playing a, a North American calling for Flesh and Blood. Uh, I definitely felt, you know, like I was, uh, I was here at home. So thank you. Yeah. And following up on the playmats, all of the US playmats have been shipped out. Hayden, the playmats are en route to Australia, I still think. And uh, Dante is going to be helping me out with the Canadian one. So those will be out this week. And then Europe goes out this week as well. But most of the people in the US should have their mats by now. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so take a look. You know, keep an eye out for it if you haven't gotten it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Watch your uh, mailbox. Should have, uh, should have tracking on all the US ones and domestic. All right, Hayden, what do we have for Command and Cookout today? Yeah, of course. I mean, fire up the grill, grill Brendan. Come on, on the balcony right here in Orlando. Uh, we're actually revisiting a question for the Commander Cookout this week where we're going to – we actually had a question. So about two or three pods ago, maybe four, four pods ago, uh, we had a question from John. And John was asking about, you know, just the design philosophy of RuneBlade and whether it was like positive or, or a negative thing for the game. And a special shout out, you know, from John to Briar. Uh, John called out, you know, in, in, in his testing um, that – Seemed like Briar was maybe you know a bit oppressive in constructed, class constructed inputs, and so asked us about that, and we answered that, and I think we talked through just kind of the design philosophy of, of Runeblade and where we saw it in the game and, and what we thought of it, and, and I guess a little bit of the, the history of Runeblade. And of course, we did have the Runeblade pod last week, part one, and next week we will have part two, right, Brennan, of the Runeblade pod. Yep. Uh, so we're following that up. But in between, of course, we are talking about the weekend that's just been in Orlando. However, in the kind of cookout, I did want to revisit this question because it's a bit of a hot topic right now is the power of Runeblade, the power of Briar. And I think that actually we were talking about this last night, we were talking about this this morning, that we think it's probably really important that we come back and have a conversation about, about Briar um, and revisit this question. And I'm just going to jump basically straight into it and say that I don't think that there's an issue with Briar in this format. I actually think that this format right now, this class constructor format is the most, is like the healthiest Flesh and Blood class constructed format we've had. Uh, we can explain, you know, why I think that is, and, and Brendan may agree or disagree. I think Brendan mostly agrees. Uh, but we're looking at a, you know, we had ten national championships over the weekend, and yes, Briar did represent in all of these national championships and did well. Of course, won the US national champs. But let's forget that it did not win the calling. A five hundred and twenty odd person event that happened this past weekend, Briar didn't win it. All time won that event, uh, and there's a reason for that. There was an all time player that that took that on the former Michael who. You know, worked on that Briar matchup, played a deck and made a choice based on Briar. Uh, plus there's other decks in this format that, you know, people came in actively targeting Briar. The toughest thing I think, right, Brennan, is that we've had a week post-UK Nationals for people to try and work this out, right? So yeah, Lightning Briar was talked about and there were some like formative lists out there with uh, the ProQuest the week before, two weeks before in Cincy. But, you know, in terms of the actual, the actual deck list that ends up coming out at UK Nationals and the one that's been widely adopted, People only had a week to, to, I guess, respond to that and find a deck to beat it and also still 
Yeah, would it be other decks? Because yeah, you can beat Lightning Briar and it was around, you know, I think what, 25%, 20%, maybe 30% actually at Nationals? A little over uh, 25%. Yeah. But that's one of four. So if you play a Briar on average one of four, you've got to play three other decks mm-hmm. and you've got to beat those other decks. So if you have a strategy, you know, that you come in with that beats Briar, but you lose to Bravo, you, you know, you're, you're weak to Bravo, you're not great against Alton or, uh, you know, whatever else is kind of sitting around there, it's going to be, it's going to be tough for you to, to pull it out and get to that top eight, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I definitely actually very much agree with you in the regards to Briar. So it, we did see like, you know, it, it looks like an unhealthy representation, but you look at the results from UK um, nationals, you look at just what is the deck trying to do? It's proactive, it's linear, and it's relatively simple. Um, you know, it's still complicated in kind of the micro gameplay, but you know, the overall game plan is pretty straightforward. So anybody can really pick it up. It's mostly commons and rares, um, except for a few key cards. And yeah, I mean, there's just a low barrier to entry and you could probably perform with it if you picked it up. So it made it very attractive for a lot of people. Um, that being said, this is not like Chain. Like if you look at Chain and Monarch, you just could not target Chain. Chain just kind of beat everything. Um, but I think that if you talk to most of the top players that were on this Briar deck, um, I've gotten an overwhelming answer that, yeah, Briar just, it's very, very good. But it's a deck that can be targeted. We have things like Ice. We saw an Ice Lexi in the top eight. We have things like Oldheim, Oldheim which won the calling. Um, and there's obviously like the Visara deck. Like Matt's deck um, specifically was teched to beat Briar. That was the deck he was preying on. So I think as we move forward, we'll see the Briar representation go down. Um, but I totally agree with you. This is definitely the healthiest format I've ever been a part of, I think. You know, maybe you can consider Welcome to Wraith Healthier, but a smaller card pool. Um, yeah. But right now, very much kind of rock, paper, scissors, and I think that you know, the meta will just keep evolving as we keep moving forward. That being said, I always will hold the reservation back that maybe people just will keep playing the same stuff, <laughs> which is fine, um, because we do have a supplement set right around the corner. Yeah, well, like, like any healthy meta and any meta gets to a point, right, where a deck becomes so much, you know, of the, the majority of the meta that, uh, you know, if your deck loses to, say, decks number two and three in the meta, yeah. You're probably still better to play the deck that loses to throw in three but beats one, or maybe it is good against one. Uh, you have a 50 50 versus two, but you're, you're soft versus three. Like those, those sort of decks like rise and fall, right? Because the meta naturally evolves. And, and we're going to see that. Like I have no doubt we're going to see that. We already started to see some of that this weekend. Like I know Nationals on Saturday, Lexi was pretty unrepresented, but I was walking around the top tables at Orlando. There was all time there. There was Lexi. And then on the, on the calling on, on Sunday at the, uh, at the top 64 cut, there was multiple Lexis in all times, Ice decks that were looking to prey on this Briar as well as Viscerite decks. And, you know, even the Viscerite deck tick that we put out last week, uh, that, that deck has a favorable matchup, in my opinion, into, into Briar. Uh, Viscerite just naturally plays well into Briar, for instance. So into the Lightning Briars, that is. So, yeah, I, I don't have any fears about this um, this current format. I, think, I actually think it's exciting. I think this is the start of what a healthy meta should look like. You have, as Brendan said, a really linear you know strategy that starts out dominant. And then the format responds to that. And then you start to have a much more diverse meta because of it, because decks start to prey on that. Say like Alexi, uh, an old time, a Viserai, even builds of Bravo can really prey on this, <clears throat> this lightning deck. And then you have decks that adapt to that, right? You have maybe some mid-range decks or some value decks. Dash, for instance, it becomes a more popular option because of how it can play into those decks. So Yeah, I mean, Prism starts to fade out of the format potentially, and that allows Dorinthia to come back in. I mean, it, it, it just constantly evolves. Um, but just going back to the beginning of the question, like Runeblade designs, right? 
Um, it's interesting because the chain dominance in Monarch was, I think, a fundamental kind of design flaw. Yeah, um, yeah, agree. But we've somewhat solved that probably at this point. And I think we're just in a space right now where, yeah, obviously the Briar strategy is very, very good and well-positioned at this very moment. Um, and then Viscerai is well-positioned against that, against that. And then chain is, chain is also very good into Lightning Briar. It's one of Lightning Briar's worst matchups, actually. So, uh, yeah, we are inside a sort of a good place. It's a good time to be a rune blade, but is the fundamental design kind of, you know, you know, maybe stretching it a bit for the game? I don't think so. Um, but it does seem to be their marquee class is a class that kind of does, you know, one of the most unique things in the game, yeah, I would definitely. say. So, um, it's probably going to keep, it has the most, it is the deepest card pool, right? So it has the most yeah. potential to kind of become degenerate or become broken, but I do not. I strongly do not believe that is where we are right now. Yeah, I mean, the problem with Chain, right, is that you had, first of all, like, there's a lot of problems with Chain. I think the the design of the hero Chain printing that hero ability to yeah. just give natural go again is a bit of an issue. Briar, you have to work to get it. And the embodiments of Earth is kind of the complaint that people have around what you get out of the embodiments of Earth. Um, but really, in, in my eyes, you know, with Chain, with Seas of Agony, with uh, these really powerful cards, like Riftbind Endgames, it just, it just had it all. And there was design flaws in the hero itself. Uh, with Briar, I really don't feel that way. And if you look at this, in terms of what you can do, so the card I would point to, right, is like Plunder Run. Yeah. P Plunder Run, it's, I think, can be a bit of an issue, but true. that's the same for any aggressive deck. Uh, you you know, there's there's it's the same in, in Katsu I felt before. It's the same in Chain I felt Plunder Run was ridiculous. Like it's that card itself kind of in some ways I think is bordering on breaking the principles of, yeah. of the design, whereas nothing else about that deck actually is. It's just a linear red line aggressive deck. Yeah. So obviously the red plunder run is is great, but most of us don't play plunder run for the color. It's really for the effect and that is kind of breaking I think one of like a small tenant of the game is when you just, you know, you just play all of them regardless of their color and it doesn't really matter. It's just whatever the written text mm -hmm. is on the card. That's what makes it, you know, very strong. So if we do get to a place where you know, these strategies seem too good, which I really, really don't think we're there right now, but Plunder Run has kind of been a consistent <laughs> consistent boogeyman, I would say, in terms of the generic slot. We could see that um, maybe being on the menu, but I don't think it's, I don't think we're there quite yet. And then I know a lot of people call for Rosetta Thorn. I don't think we've seen the max use out of Rosetta <laughs> so far. I, I think don't even think Briar is the best deck. Yeah, it's not. It's definitely not, um, yeah. in my opinion. So Rosetta and like Viscerai and Chain is is quite strong. I mean, specifically Viscerai yeah. is so, so good, uh, especially with the Creepers and things like that. So um, I don't think that one's on the chopping block. If anything, it's it's Plunder Run, and there may be some sort of... I just don't think we're there quite yet, but if so... Um, yeah, maybe, yeah. Maybe I mean, I mean, I actually have some concerns with uh, Spellbound Creepers. To be honest, that uh, <laughs> that piece of equipment is—it's like Stormfrost on crack. Like, yeah. <laughs> to be honest, but we'll, we'll we'll see what happens with it. I think it's also a really exciting uh, piece of equipment and allows Viscerai to play the game in a very different way, which is is uh, is cool. And yeah, we're going to get into I guess deck selection for this calling as we get into the main topic of the pod. Uh, yeah. But we're going to talk a bit more about you know the Runeblade heroes um, and you know considerations and a bit about our testing as well uh, around this event as well because yeah we 
we didn't think the format was clear cut either. We never felt that uh, Briar was going to be the default position. We definitely didn't think Lightning Briar was going to be the default position, which uh, we'll talk a bit more about. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, wanted to wanted to come back and address this because it really is. Uh, I think since we, I mean, we've been pretty flat out, right? We haven't really taken a minute to kind of stop and and really think about the weekend until we've gone to record this pod, right, Brendan? Like we're on Monday right now. We just finished up yesterday. Yeah, but but the, the Twitter Discord and and whatever, like it's really there, and I felt like I definitely heard it in the hall over the weekend. People talking about it, um, so I think we just wanted to address it. Yeah, definitely. So with that, let's go ahead and you know, head into the main topic of the pod with Nationals and I guess starting on uh, yeah. starting on Thursday. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, thank John again for his question. I mean, uh, John's question four weeks ago, we, we answered that question, but uh, a great, I think, topic right now. So I want to come back and, and revisit what we actually said last time. And while we're on it, we talked about, you know, Isolexia and that. I just actually want to shout out to Isaac Jensen from the Attack Action Podcast. Good, you know, friends of ours, um, Taylor and, and Isaac, we didn't get a chance to to shut him out at the top of the pod, but Isaac obviously top eight in nationals. Went on a monster run uh, and constructed, especially and was just you know smashing through through Briars on uh, day one and day two, and locked up. I think ended up like second or third seed in the end, um, and had a had a fan, fantastic run through. Uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, I, I saw the end of his game in the quarterfinals. I uh, got a little bit unlucky at the end of the game there, but um, yeah, played very well and you know just again, great job. Congratulations, Isaac. Awesome. So heading to Orlando, let's go ahead and start it off. So um, Thursday's interesting because obviously that's when I meet Hayden for the first time. <laughs> we uh, So on Thursday, I get in early um, and I come to the, the Airbnb um, and Zach, so Zach Bunn and Tim Bunn, his brother, uh, come over and we just kind of play test. And I told Zach, me and Zach, Zach's been the proponent of our group of Earthfire for a long, long time. Just really stuck to that deck. That's like his deck. Um, and he wasn't going to deviate. And we had all pretty much deviated to Lightning Briar at that time. And I told Zach, I was like, okay, if we sit here for five hours and you beat me, you know, X percent of the time and you've got good arguments and we, we rework the sideboard, all this stuff, I'll play the deck because I brought it as well. And yeah, he was getting me and it, it looked strong. It looked like it was going to be good. And I was like, you know what? I would rather have maybe the 45 55 into lightning um which is where i felt like it was and it, it almost felt like 50 50 to be honest with certain cards like consuming volition and adding disruption to the deck um so i'd rather have that and then i felt like Earthbriar was just just destroyed bravo and prism and these other decks that could show up as well so we did that i decided to go Earthbriar, and then we did the classic the classic thing you should never do which is we pulled up an excel sheet we started working on the deck and we just went full mad scientist on this deck and just totally destroyed it. Just made it terrible. We went we went way too deep on the math and ended up, you know, we didn't get to really play test our final product a lot and it ended up being really, really bad, which we'll get into when we get into kind of <laughs> day one of Nationals. But anyway, Hayden shows up, he comes in, a bit taller than I expected. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was all good. Hayden, what were your thoughts after you know, your long flight over? Yeah, my journey started on your Wednesday. Yeah. So my Thursday, got up at the crack of dawn on Thursday morning, uh, Australian Eastern Standard Time, jumped on a flight to Los Angeles, uh, 13 and a half hours on a plane. Actually, it wasn't too bad. The international flight, not too bad yeah. at the moment. They're very empty, uh, just given the fact that borders literally just reopened in Australia on Monday. Um, so flight was fine. Uh, got to LA, uh, chilled out for a little bit, had a bit of a layover in LA, flew to Orlando. That flight is dreadful, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> that flight, I'm dreading it, doing it tomorrow um, on the way back. And then, yeah, got to the got to the Airbnb late on Thursday night, met, uh, met Brennan for the first time. It was about the height I thought it'd be. So yeah. that was fine. 
First time I heard that one. Yeah. <laughs> met Zach, met Tim uh, for the first time in person, which was great. Great to meet them. And then Dante finally showed up. And uh, yeah, because uh, me, Brendan, Dante, we have, we have this Airbnb that we're staying in. I'm not far from the venue, which has been fantastic. Did a bit of uh, bit of testing to help you guys out on Thursday night with with the deck and um, going through that. And then yeah, that was kind of it. I needed to go to sleep. I mean, it was uh, yeah. it had been 24 hours that I'd been or, sorry over over 30 hours that I'd been up. So I was pretty keen to to get some sleep by that point. Yeah. So just to close out that night, um, we keep working on the deck. You know, uh, make some very bad choices in the end, which we'll, we'll pay for the next day. And then you know. We're happy. We're happy with our pick and we go to sleep. So let's head into Friday, right? So this is this is Nationals for me. This is day one of Nationals for me. Um, and Hayden and Dante are just kind of, what are you guys just hanging around the venue playing side events? Yeah, I'll just quickly talk about, so we had a, we had a plan. Um, obviously, me and Dante have a bit of extra time. Uh, me and Dante had not locked a deck at this point. So just worth saying, uh, we felt that we we're probably going to play Lightning Bright. Um, I, wasn't, I wasn't as convinced as Brendan was on Friday about, about the Earth deck. Uh, but also, I had in my bag, I had Viscerai in my bag as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also had Reina in my bag. But I had put that to kind of bet on the plane that I wasn't going to play Reina. Um, so it was, it was probably going to be Viscerai or, or Briar. Uh, so I went and jumped into a side event actually on Friday just to play some games with Viscerai. Um, just to, you know, to play the deck. Actually, basically, this is very similar, maybe five card different to the deck tech that we've just put up. Um, tweaked a little bit since then. We had a week to, to test, obviously. So we did that, felt pretty good about it, um, but ultimately we'll talk about it in terms of like deck choice. But then, yeah, we just went and scouted nationals. So after the draft portion was done, we just went and had a like, scout. I just say, we went and walked around the top tables just to see what people were playing. Uh, how much, you know, how much Briar was there? Yep, you know, it's about 25% Briar, but then what's the next most played decks and, and what are the what's happening at the top tables? Because those top tables, they're through to day two. And some of those around the mid tables, they're gonna be in the calling tomorrow. So just trying to get a feel for what decks might be there. Had anyone broken the format? Was it the decks we expected? Um, that's the things we were looking at. Yeah, what was the Lightning Briar mirror attack, right? That was the dance yeah. um, to an extent. Uh, so we talked about Lightning Briar. I just want to bring it up as well. We really expected like a 25%-ish to maybe 30% yeah. meta show. But the question was, it was like, the timing was just too short um, between UK Nationals and US Nationals where it's like, you could find a deck that beat up on Lightning Briar, but you just had so little time to shore up your other matchups, mm-hmm. which is what made that hard. So there was definitely a sort of kind of dance between like, how do you break the mirror, right? Like what's the mirror tech? And that was definitely a good thing to walk around and see. Like I saw a flash freeze. I saw Hope Merchant's Hood. You know, then we saw like way different takes on the deck. Like if you look at Tyler Horsepool's deck, um, like it was quite different from a lot of Lightning Briar decks. When like Rise of Lightning, he ran Command and Conquer in the mirror. Um, he had like Blue Electrifies. I was I played some Briars in the Calling, and you know we saw Razor Reflexes, Still Suffering, all this kind of stuff. So that was really that was kind of really important because that was you're taking something that's very discovered and understood. Everybody would put their twist and they put their tweak on it, and kind of you know one philosophy really just pushes through that usually. So it was really interesting to see that Definitely. on the day of. But. Friday, you're playing in the main event. You've got the Earth Bride in your hand, but before that, you got a draft. So you draft. Yeah, I felt, yeah, I felt great. I just felt, I feel really confident in draft um, after Dallas and Cincinnati. I felt like I was drafting very well um, at those events. But I get into a seven-man pod. Never played a seven-man hmm. pod before. I don't know if... I knew you were in the yeah. seven-man pod. I don't know how much that affected me, but basically, I ended up in old him. 
Um, and I was just getting past some of the most ridiculous cards. I remember I was pretty open in pack one. One of the biggest decisions I made was like, I was like pick two. Uh, so I pack one, pick one, deep blue. Pick two was yellow weave earth or a uh, overflex. <laughs> and I tend to like to go ice Lexi and um, in this kind of stuff, because it's just heavily underdrafted. And I think it's just, it's so strong. Um, you really like, if it gets the right card, you can't fatigue it. It just absolutely can smash Briar, and then in the mirror, if you have like the overflex and some dominate, it's it's quite good. So I decide not to pick the overflex because I'm a disciplined I'm a disciplined man. I pick the yellow Weaverth, and then I start getting these just I just see these ridiculous cards coming through on pack one. Just nothing, and Guardian is grabbed. Earth is open. I see lightning dried up. I'm like, oh, there's tons of Briars here. And then on the wheel in pack one, I'm getting like red entangles, the like red glacial footsteps. And I, I, I'll pass like some early glacial footsteps. It's not like my favorite card by any means, but it just, it really looked like old him was open. So I was like, wow, this looks fantastic. I had, a, at the end of this draft, I had a full suite of armor. Like it looked incredible. I was getting like late bucklers, um, all that kind of stuff. Pack two went fine as well. You know, it was really like towards the end of like pack two that I was like, ah, okay, there's definitely some other old hymns here because, you know, the last cards in the pack ended up being just like Lexi cards, right? So I had started, started getting those few unplayable class cards. I'm like, okay, that's fine. And pack three um, goes decent, but yeah, we start getting cut a little bit on, on, cla on you know, class cards, ice cards, and, uh, and earth cards and just getting a bit more unplayables, get too many, get a bit too many yellows, like I didn't like, I, but I have like, generally this archetype that we play is called like three for seven, right? Um, I, you know, like Tarek actually posted on Twitter a deck that looks pretty close to exactly what I was trying to draft. Um, and that just solid set of blues, um, like 12 to 15, then just like constantly like three for severing the opponents, like Snow Under, Entangle, all this kind of stuff. It's, um, I feel like it's a really, really good archetype. Anyway, I felt like my draft went well, well enough, right? Like I felt like I had a good deck and yeah, I just get into round one, go up against the Briar. And it was one of the, uh, so there ended up being, I think there was three, I think there was, uh, yeah, I think there was two, I think it was two old times at the, at the table or maybe three and then definitely three Briars and then like one Lexi or something like that. Um, if I can remember correctly, but yeah, I go up against the, the Briar and it was just, it seemed like a, maybe like a, a weaker draft deck, but you know, sometimes when you do have, I mean, if your Briar deck just kind of draws what you need in terms of like you get um, the red brambles with the earth cards, with the stirs, like it can just, it can go off. And I experienced this firsthand when I played the Dallas calling, my sealed deck was quite bad, but when it drew well, it drew, it just was, it was amazing, but it could draw extremely bad as well. And then I would just lose the game on the spot. So, uh, got, got down to like one and one, um, on that game and then eventually just, you know, just lost, which happens. So it was all good. Um, I didn't try to fatigue. <laughs> Uh, maybe I should have, but definitely would not have worked in that matchup. I mean, it's just a lot of stir the wildwoods for like freaking, you know, 12 plus. And I was just like, oh my goodness. So <laughs> it was a lot to deal with. So yeah, round one loss. Doesn't feel good. And then of course, my next match is the old time mirror. And it's the other old time at the table. He's got like, I think it was like 39 playables. I'm down at like 32 because I'm signing out. Like, okay, I have to deck stack this guy. Um, you know, set up my glacial, chip them away. And I, I basically, I had it set up on the bottom of my deck, but in order to kind of set that turn up, and this is, this is the, the sort of <laughs> thing you run into with um, Tales of Aria is like when you set something up on the bottom of the deck, usually you're sacrificing some sort of turn, some sort of pressure you could have applied on a different turn. Um, and you can get into scenarios where that's the turn your opponent just draws the card, right? 
And so I was down at, I think six, and then he just hit me with a red glacial dominated. And I, I was just lost, unfortunately. So O2, terrible start. And then I go ahead and went out the third match just against a Briar. That actually wasn't in my pod. It was um, from another seven man pod. Wait, what? Yeah. So the seven mans, I just like, I played another O2 player from a different oh, pod. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's messy. Kind of a nightmare, right? Yeah, yeah, that's not ideal. I didn't, I, I honestly didn't know that. I, this is the first time hearing yeah. it, and I'm pretty disappointed, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was definitely, I, I'm not a fan, for sure. But it's okay, like, it's just how it goes. Um, I didn't even think about it during the tournament. But, th- like, I was feeling a bit off this day. I don't know why, and I think the two losses definitely didn't help with that. I generally don't tilt, but I just felt like I was just not in my headspace, and I just mm-hmm. couldn't kind of, like, come back to reality. I was just out of it. Um, and that definitely showed in constructive. Like, I'd take my constructed deck, and um, I remember Zach texted me immediately after his first round as well, and he was like, dude, the deck feels off. And yeah, it did. But from this deck that had a very... You, you can know, say it. You said, you said to each other, the deck felt like shit. Yeah, it <laughs> felt really bad. Like, it felt terrible. Like, it was doing absolutely nothing. The ratios must have been so bad. Um, and I just, like, I ended up playing against this Kasu, and I won, but I... My deck was doing like forward damage sometimes a turn. I was just playing like a dirty strategy on Earthbriar. It was, it was bizarre. And I was like, ugh, I'm not sure about that. Ended up playing against Dash next round. I lost, which is like one of my best matchups. Um, and then I can't remember what happened after that, but I played another Dash to lose my fourth game. So I go two and four. Um, and I remember that one was pretty funny because it was, I went first. Or sorry, I think he went first or whatever. Basically, he arsehole the Tom of Fiendal. He had his first actual turn of the game. It's a high octane boost. Tone Fiendal, um, you know, draws those cards, gains the life, and then boosts again. You get the extra trash point. It's actually drawn another Tone Fiendal, so it replaces, gets more cards. <laughs> um, and he actually ended up doing, I think it was like thirty-seven damage to me. And it was, uh, I, it was ended up being a pretty close game. But I think after like three, four turns, I just crumbled under that. So two and four, I dropped. I was just like, yep, you know. The tournament, I would least, I would, I would least want to just kind of like you know poop the bed, as they say, as nationals. But turns out that's what it was. It happens, and I just kind of had to go refocus, try to come back to reality, and just play better and get in the calling the next day. Yeah, which before we talk about, I guess heading into the calling, because like I said, me and Dante at this point we weren't locked into a deck. Uh, we obviously we had our list for the decks we were looking at. Um, so we had a lightning bright list that we had. So we had a lightning briar list heading into UK Nationals, then that came out, and then we adapted. Um, but I guess the first thing before we talk about that, this Earth Briar deck, right? And so the deck that you and Zach ended up playing in Nationals, and Tim as well, Tim, Tim also played this in Nationals. I guess the question is for, for us, right? Like really, if we look back at it, right? If we look back at the, the testing leading into this, we weren't really confident about a deck hitting internationals, right? Like there was no, it wasn't like a week prior, we see UK nationals, we go, yeah, Lightning Briar, like we know about this deck, but you know, we've got this deck that we feel comfortable with into Lightning Briar and is good against the rest of the field. Like it felt like we had the knowledge probably, yeah, but we just weren't reacting in time. And ultimately probably the testing in the past two or three weeks for us and, and, and the team, not great results, right? Yeah, we had like sort of a macro organizational failure on that end. But uh, so the Earth Briar deck, before we tweaked it and messed it up, right? Um, it's really, really good, um, especially into everything that wasn't Lightning Briar and Chain. Um, it just had incredible matchups. Like, it just destroyed everything, even when it was very unrefined. Like, when I played in the PTI, like, I just threw together some cards with a deck that Zach had been playing, and it, it just performed really well. And we could see that there was, you know, 
it was a chance there and we, we had a choice to either go lightning or earth. And after we saw lightning perform super well, we knew it'd be very represented. So it was like, okay, the only way we can play earth is if we show up the lightning matchup, because that's going to be one out of four. Right. Um, and it seemed like we did with a couple key cards, but, um, yeah, I think lightning briar probably was just the better pick than earth on that day. Yeah. So how do we get to the, so we ended up playing me, you and Dante ended up playing the exact same 80 cards into the calling on Saturday. How do we end up there? So how do we end up on the Lightning Briar list? Yep. Yeah, so we have our list. We have our Lightning Briar list. So there's, there was a lot of theories on how you break the mirror, right? And one of the main things we were testing actually was playing things like Force of Nature and a Pulse of Candlehold, which made it into a lot of lists, like the Pulse in the end. It's just mm -hmm. a really good card. Basically just trying to outvalue um, the opponent with you know those three blocks, which become four blocks with one with one embodiment. They also have utility, right? Yes, yeah, of course. Big so Force of Nature has incredible utility um, on something like a Plunder Run. Lightning Press. And li Lightning Press. Yeah. It's, it's so, so, so good. Uh, so we're pretty confident in that list, but I went up to Tarek after I kind of just got owned in the, in the National. I was just like, hey, man, I think I'm going to play the calling. Didn't do super well today. Uh, you know, can you, like, I don't know if you have any you know, teammates competing in this or what, but... I really appreciate if you can just shoot me the list. And he just shot me the, you know, the full 80 and everything. So we went back and I really appreciate that, by the way. We went back and we looked at his list. We worked on it. We changed like literally a couple cards and then we just went directly off of that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think as the day went on, so just to, to go back on the Friday, the side event that me and Dante were playing while Brendan and Zach were playing Nationals, uh, Dante was playing Lightning Briar, playing our current Lightning Briar list. Um, I think he was actually trying some cards. He like... Red Whisper of the Oracle. Red Whisper of the Oracle, Scalata. Yeah. You, I think some yeah. other players ended up on Scalata as well, yeah. but yeah, Dante was in a like a, a pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. it was a, it was a bit of a, a bit of a Frankenstein sort of yeah. decky player. But he forwarded the event and he said like I feel really good on my Briars, a few things I want to change, and then obviously we had the conversation about the list that the Tarot had provided. Um, we were we were almost exactly. On this, our, our list was almost the same as Tarek's, except we had opted for the three blocks and he had opted for the yellow ravenous, which yeah. the yellow ravenous wasn't really something we had thought about. True. Yeah. So yeah, then so we all, we all huddle up and we go, all right, what do we need to get? Are we missing any cards? <laughs> so then we need to go and find some yellow ravenous rappers. We haven't tested at this point. We're talking about the theory as we're, you know, we're like, I don't, I don't know, like, is the natural going that good? We're kind of like talking about it. We're like, let's just go find the yellow rappers. Don't know if we're going to play them. Let's go find them. So we're doing like a big like scouting mission through all the all the vendors at uh, at Orlando, and they're like, "No, we don't have commons with us. We don't have commons with us." We're like, "We're like, oh, is people playing Arcane Rising Seal?" No. Uh, we head over to uh, I think Magnolia Games, yeah. uh, one of the vendors of the US, and we're like, "Okay, have you guys got this?" And they go, "We have a few. Like, we've just we're literally like we're about to open some. We opened some cases last night. We're going to go back to the accommodation open cases tonight." So. Really nice uh, guy there, um, Hamill, actually hooked us up uh, and they ended up opening cases that night and found the cards that we needed that were missing. So I just want to give a shout out to, to him because he really helped us out there for a few commons that, you know, not really worth anything to them, but awesome and really helped us out. We hit back, uh, we settled like Brendan says, we changed a few cards. We really, we were really high on Red Electrify, at least like the one. The one of, right, the one or two. Yeah, yeah, because it's just, uh, if you draw, you never want to see two, but you see one in games and it's like how you have these big blowout five card hands and you push, you know, some mega damage. And if you ever have it on the ball lightning turn, it's pretty disgusting, right? Or in the, yeah, on the press, yeah. anything like that. But I mean, even if not, it replaces itself and then it's like, it usually is forcing blocks. Yeah, it's half a lightning embodiment as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah, double embodiment off of that is just so disgusting. Um, <laughs> but then again, like it, it, the downside, right? It costs one. 
you don't want to see multiples. Box two. Yeah, and then sometimes you 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 draw that, and then you just have like the one attack action, right? And you don't have to yeah. go again, or you have the boots if you're gonna. It, it's not it's not as good, right? Um, so we, I think in our main like in the in the mirrors, we ended up playing like one red's captain's call. This is to make rabble better. If we're playing six rabbles, we're real, like you know we're not playing uh we're, we're not playing blues or yellows. There's blue captain calls in some decks. That's why I say that. We played like the one electrify. Um, I was on two electrify for a while, no red captain's call in my mirrors, but then I switched uh, ha about halfway through. And then the only other change we had to the deck is we had two blue ball lightnings for old him um, yeah. and fatigue strategy. It's just because it's a very, very easy uh, setup. You can, not easy, so <laughs> it's a uh, theoretically easy to stack the deck after Sonata with like this sequence of turns that, I mean, you literally can't get fatigued if you can do that. The one mistake that we definitely did make, and we'll talk a little bit about this more later, is that we were boarding in like 70 cards versus old him. You definitely want to play 60 cards. <laughs> the idea, you want to get to your ball lightning stack as fast as possible. Diluting your deck and going up to 70, it it seems like, you. and we're talking fatigue, right? You're like, oh, I want more cards. Uh, you don't in this one because they can swing back damage. And it's all about maintaining your life so that when you do have the sting, sting, ball, 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 you can... Um, just take whatever they're throwing at you, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think I ended up on a different trend. I played, I think I was the first to play an old time and then we discussed it on Saturday. Um, we'll talk about the round soon, but the my my thought process is you want to be on like 64 cards. Uh, I think you can run out of damage. Uh, it's actually kind of hard to fatigue that deck anyway if, if, if you know how to play the end game. But um, I felt probably, I didn't want all these like fluff cards that did nothing. And then you have awkward hands, your Sonata like math goes off, your non-attacks, your blues versus non-blues go off. Right, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I think in the end, I was like, I think I'll put like 64 cards into those fatigue or presumed fatigue matchups. Yeah. Um, but mean, they, they could also not be fatigued, right? Uh, they could also be Bravo and they just come swinging out of the gates and you're playing 70 cards and you've got, just got nine, you know, you see less plunder runs at that point because you've got these nine extra cards in your deck that you have to get through. I, I'm playing like, moving forward, I'm playing 60, between 60 and 63 cards like 100% yeah, yeah. of the time. <laughs> like, it's so good. Like, I don't know. I just want my, I just want to get, you know, get through my Sonatas, apply pressure, set up the deck and keep pressure on while the deck is set up so they can't swing back at me, get them to a life threshold where they're usually keeping one card in hand max because they're still blocking out right they're fatiguing yeah. and then you can just take whatever they throw at you and then you hit them with a turn that is unblockable with their with their current life total yep exactly so yeah that's kind of where we ended up i just wanted to say so as i said i played this right on that side of when i think uh in three one I, I dropped a game to to briar i actually think i yeah it was, it was a weird game uh against the lightning briar that i dropped in that side event i felt good about the list but as we talked about earlier the problem i had with the the viscerite list is that there was a ton of, like I say, old time and Bravo that looked like was going to show up in the calling. And even, uh, you know, Lexi, I'm not worried about, but old time and, and Bravo. And I felt that had a, a pretty reasonable matchup into to Bravo with Ellis with some of the tweaks. I didn't know about old time, hadn't really tested it, and was just really worried about playing this deck that I didn't know. We were untested. That's that's That was one of our issues with Lightning is it was like, it was all theory, right? We didn't have time to, we had time to play the mirror, which is important, right? It's a lot of your matches. But everything else was theory. Like when I, I played against Ice Lexi, I played against Olden, and I was I felt underprepared. Um, yeah, for sure, and that's the reason why. Like I say, talking about Viscerai just then, that I feel like I didn't want to play the Viscerai list into you know the the unknown in terms of uh, what we're hitting to. As much as I tested that that list and, and played a lot for the last three weeks, there was some you know there's a lot of adaptions and changes hitting into that event, and the Viscerai deck is just more complicated to play than the Bride deck, I think. So. 
in the end, that's what what kind of happens. I set the the Viserai list aside, but you know, I was I was pretty close to to picking up and deciding to play it. So yeah, that's uh, that's how that's Friday. We head to Saturday, get to the venue. Um, we yeah, we play the play the rounds. Might just run through like the rounds and kind of how it looked like because yeah. for for me especially a lot of different uh, heroes so i actually played seven different heroes on day one that's crazy <laughs> i didn't play as many bright so i might just quickly just kind of run run through my day one of the event talk about yours and we'll talk about just how the deck felt um immediately felt really good about the deck list heading in so as soon as i played my first round i played into a katsu round one um and i played like i think dorinthia round two and yeah I, those first two rounds felt very good um round three though <laughs> run into it all time my first time playing into old time, right? Uh, and I say, as I say, win with the theory. I think I played 67 cards since that matchup. My old time opponent on turn one plays East Strike. <laughs> so, uh, pretty immediately obvious that this isn't going to be a fatigue matchup. My hands feel a bit trash to what Britta's point before about playing these extra cards. And yeah, my, my opponent, who is actually, who was Michael, who ends up winning the calling, was my opponent in round three, um, is playing this like tempo old time plan into me. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm like looking to stack this like in-game setup. Doesn't really come together uh, because I, I end up dying before that. I actually have a pivot turn where I, I try to pivot to, to push back on tempo and, and try and uh, close out the game because we're pretty close on life towards the end, about five five point discrepancy. And I take a hit, use my equipment to block. And then I have double Sonata in hand and just like whiff both the Sonatas. Um, and then like Michael pretty easily closes it out from there. And then my last, uh, then I play like a Bravo, um, I play a, a Reiner. Uh, I play a mirror match, and that kind of just closes out the day. Ended up at X1 at the end of day one. Um, what about you, Brennan? Um, yeah, so I started off against a Dorinthia, and I decided to go first, which in <laughs> retrospect, I think is very wrong. <laughs> so that was bad. And then he blew me out with Singing Steel Blade uh, twice. So coming over you know, for the one to get the counter twice, and that was brutal. So he actually ended the game with three counters on his Dawn Blade. A little tighter than it needed to be. Luckily, he popped the boost early, so that, that always helps. Um, and I was able to squeak that one out. My most interesting match of the day was I played against like an ultra fatigue old him. Um, this was like round three or round four. And I knew this guy was going to fatigue. Like, you could tell, like, as soon as I got there, um, I would call Jojo to just like clarify something. It wasn't there, like we were pretty much on the same page. But as soon as I asked the judge about this question, it took like 10 seconds. He asked for like a minute or two extension. I was like, oh man, here we go. So yeah, it was very, it was totally fatigued. He didn't do anything except try to fatigue me. Um, and I had to play a you know, really hard game because I was playing the, the ridiculous amount of cards. And uh, I wish, <laughs> wish it didn't work as well as it did because then I probably would have sided down to lower cards on day two and I played the other old, old him. But um, it was one of my... One of my best pitch decking games I've ever played, I think. So I ended up having like, uh, I get through all my Sonatas. I set up, you know, I set up um, Sting, uh, Ball, Ball, and then I had two cards and then Ball, Ball. <laughs> so I ended up arseling a Sting towards the end game. I have 16 card lefts in my deck. So I have to remember like a 16 card stack. It was legit. It was very, very challenging. And then on my turn, I draw the Sting Ball. Then I draw the two cards that are not Ball, Ball. And so my turn, I go... Pitch a red, make a rune chant, and pitch the blue swing sword. And then I go to draw my cards. Remember, so there's like 16 cards left in deck, and I draw ball lightning, ball lightning. Perfectly. So I have the perfect stack, sting in, sting in arsenal, sting in hand, and then triple ball. And, and, you know, he's at like, I don't know, it was like 13 or something like that. And then, so I, I he only swings for the hammer at me, and I have him dead to rights. And he, uh, he had used his crown of seeds. 
and um, the only one Blizzard left in the deck, and he'd arsenaled that on the turn before, right? And I, I, I just couldn't, you couldn't track it at that point. So I luckily had Tunic Resource, but I go Sting, Sting, Ball Lightning, and it goes Blizzard. Worst case scenario, right? Luckily, I'm able to pitch a, uh, a Ball Lightning and Tunic Resource to still go Ball Lightning, Ball Lightning, um, and I think Weapon Attack at the end there. But yeah, so then I, it doesn't kill him. I have to end up closing out the game with uh, another kind of sequence, but I had, you know, we get we get to time around is called. We have like five minutes of extension, of course. And then on the final turn, so we're at turns, it's my turn and he would have one additional. Um, I set up, you know, I'm down to like, you know, 10 cards at this point. Set up a sequence, perfect lethal, has, it's it's another sting of sorcery with a ball lightning, but uh, has a few other things of a chain and then I'm actually able to kill him perfectly on turns. And it was, it was just a cool game to see that like perfect pitch stack come. It was also like, if there was like tons of people around, so it was a cool one. Yeah, yeah, I came over to watch, and I was like, you were just wrapping up, and I was like, oh wow, what a <laughs> what a game! And then I think that was like your round five, right? Uh, no, I don't think it was round five. I think it was round four. So yeah. round five is when the one I lost. I actually ended up playing against the chain, which is a brutal. It's a it's not good matchup for no, Rising Briar, um, but I was actually very very ahead in the game, and then on his turn, he just goes uh, Shadow Puppetry, Flock of the Featherwalkers, reveal Flock of the Featherwalkers, play Flock of the Featherwalkers, reveal. Um, a bounding demigon plays a bounding demigon out of <laughs> banish plays a bounding demigon out of hand and then swings the sword so couldn't get past that one <laughs> that was the final turn as brutal i end up losing it and then yeah i end up going x1 on the day and some other memorable matches plays played i think two or three mirrors and they felt fantastic I, I yeah really this did. was really good into the mirror yeah, yeah. it felt so good into the mirror but uh yeah i ended up x1 uh hayden was x1 as well and then uh, our friend dante was undefeated yeah, yeah, Dante really pulled it out of there. Yeah, so uh, I I felt like got to the end of the day, um, awesome day as well. Like this is my first main day at the calling, uh, my first North American calling. Met a bunch of, of more amazing people uh, between rounds and after the event, um, which was which was awesome. And then we we actually hit off. We have a bit of a team dinner on Saturday night, uh, which is cool <laughs> as well. So we get to oh, meet. Can I tell the story? This is hilarious. Oh yeah, you can, yeah. The story's yeah, yeah. great. The story's great. We, yeah, we're trying to have a team dinner. Yeah. So Orlando, it's it's Saturday night, and like, or I don't know, I haven't, I haven't really been to a city that was this bad for trying to eat somewhere. Well, we're not in the city. We weren't in the city. Yeah, we're in the city, right? Yeah. We're in the tourist spot, Disney. like in between like Disney stuff. I've never been in a place where like I called so many restaurants and they just like were awful. And then obviously like our reservation is also like is like ends up being like nine people, and it was just a nightmare. So Dante is like. Brennan, you've heard of this thing called Del Frisco's. And Del Frisco's is like a steakhouse chain. And I was like, Dante, if you can get a, because I saw it on open table, I saw they're fully booked. I was like, Dante, if you can get a reservation at Del Frisco's for nine people, I'll buy your meal. So he goes, no problem. So Dante, insurance salesman or something like that, calls this guy. I've never heard them. This is the most silver tongue call I've ever heard in my life. He goes, hey, David, how you doing? So going to be a weird question, but I was wondering if you could do a reservation for nine. Uh, you can't? Well, but my question is, is can you pull any strings? It's David to call him back. So David calls in a, a, a waiter and asks him to come in early for us. We didn't really like, we, we had, I'll, this will lead to something later. David calls him back. This is, a, this is the funniest part. David calls him back and Dante goes, hello, David, how are you doing? And all I hear from Dante is just, no, no, no. Don't start with unfortunately. <laughs> and um, he ends up getting us like a reservation, right? So we have a reservation. I was like, wow, it's incredible. We go to Del Frisco's and not only do we have a reservation, but we have like the private room up top. 
And like David comes out, and like this guy David comes up, he's like, Where's Mr. Delfico? <laughs> and, and Dante was like, David, you're my favorite man. It was um, but yeah, it was an incredible dinner. Um, you're surrounded by friends and it was it was an awesome night, but it was just hilarious to watch Dante just talk himself into that to getting us that meal. Yeah, uh, to be honest, like if I went home after that, you know, if I went 04 the next day at the calling, <laughs> I would have had uh, I would have had an amazing trip. Like not only Saturday, Friday, did I get to meet a bunch of amazing people, as I said, you know, our listeners, our viewers, just I had great opponents every round as well. People were so nice, so friendly. I had conversations with basically all of my opponents um, post-round about, about our games or about flesh and blood. And then, you know, to meet people that I hadn't met, that I've been talking to for so long and haven't met on Saturday night was just another great experience. So I was so thankful. And <laughs> one, of my, one of my favorite stories as well was that uh, Zach is sitting in the corner saying, I really don't like ProQuest, you know, like I'm not a big fan of the ProQuest format. You've got to like XO to like make it to top it's eight. It's like 8.30 or Saturday night. He's like, he's like, and he also, he's, uh, uh, <laughs> it's just funny. Uh, yeah, he's just it like, just doesn't, just doesn't, doesn't like doing the ProQuest. Exactly. Like especially the constructor ones. I'm like, okay. Cause I had to convince him in Cincinnati to do it. And with this one, he's like, okay, at least it's limited. So if I lose, I know I'm out, done take Done by the two, three, four o'clock. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then foreshadowing for the for the next day, of course, we already said, but Zach ends up 9-0-ing, you know, 6-0-ing the sealed, 3-0-ing the draft and, and <laughs> getting his PTI. So, you know, we're glad that he ended up uh, ended up clinching and, and playing. But yeah, so we get home. I uh, don't think we really, we didn't do anything, right? Just, uh, just we don't talk about the deck or anything. We're all feeling pretty confident. Uh, head to sleep, show up, get there for day uh, day three. I think we had to get there early. We had um, had a couple of like interview things to do in the morning quickly. And then we, we get into our rounds. Talk about mine first. So four rounds on day two, right? Needing both of me and Brendan needing a three-one to to top eight, yep. right? Uh, and probably don't want to be losing the first round, but we could probably lose any of the next three and and still get in, right? Is where we're sitting at. Mm, maybe, yeah, it depends, right? Yeah, break it, break it. The the t- the top cut for top sixty-four is looking a bit a bit weird, but it ends up being a couple of draws. Uh, ends up being kind of kind of funny. Weird. Yeah, I actually want to talk a little bit about this too, just because I know it's probably on a lot of people's minds is that so that in this calling they did go back to the old format for some reason maybe it was because they were more you know they're focused on nationals but unfortunately the seven rounds on day one was pretty brutal the bubble at x2 was massive yeah, it, was huge. it was like 40 people or something um so that was not good <laughs> really really bad on that uh, i wish they would add another round with four undefeateds as well so it was brutal um, i just want to mention that because i know a lot of people kind of got irked by that because it, it you know i mean a lot of people go x2 and for you know 40 of them it just works definitely not in their favor yeah it should so it should have been 12 rounds because x2s miss the top eight cut in the end which uh it shouldn't happen you yeah. shouldn't have x2s missing the top eight cut you shouldn't play a two-day event and lose two rounds in my opinion and and i think a lot of people's opinion in an event like this of the size and not be able to make top cut mm-hmm. on with your two losses which is this, yeah. this is like the consistent like main tournament issue in Flesh and Blood that we are trying to get better at. It looks like we're making progress, right? They've added yeah. rounds recently, but for some reason, it looks like we kind of backtracked on this one. Yeah, really odd. Um, so anyway, that happens. I rock up. Round, this is round eight, right? Yes, yeah, so around yeah. eight. I play Matty Rogers. Me and Matt Rogers sit down for our round eight event. I know what Matt's playing. I know he's on this right. Uh, I have a fairly reasonable idea of, of uh, what he's trying to do in this matchup. Um, we end up playing the first few turns go pretty well uh, feel like a pretty hit and then Matt just like has the biggest OTK combo turn he sets up like 12 rune chance uh, has this like massive uh, like double sonata turn off the boots uh, to get the action point just ends up coming in for I think in the end it's like about 
36 damage or something. And I ended up throwing my whole hand to block uh, because I took five, five, six damage early on. And yeah, just uh, just out of the game from then. So tough start, right? That's a loss. Probably at this point, I'm thinking probably out of top eight calling, but going to play through. It's fine. Uh, there's a chance with the way the breakers are and if people who lost, uh, you know, took their second loss in this round as well, end up winning out that, you know, I can still make it because my first loss on, on day... Uh, on day two, oh, sorry, on day one, uh, it was actually round four. I think it's around three, round four. So, you know, there's a chance. So play out. Uh, I think I play a, a, a mirror after that. Um, and I think I might even play two mirrors actually after that. And then ended up with a chain in the last match. And we're sitting at table five. The same chain that I lost. To yeah, well. same chain. Same chain that, that Brendan lost to. Sitting there, final round of the day, uh, thinking that this could be a winning in for either of us just based on well, uh, it was in retrospect yeah and it turns out it was a winning in um, yeah tough matchup uh, Joshua who ends up yeah making the top 8 um, beats me in a, a it ends up being close but it didn't feel close after the turn 2 turn 3 and turn 4 consecutive out of wars back to back to back uh, but we end up pulling it back and it being pretty close to the point where if uh, I draw a hand that's able to has a three block in it, mm. uh, I can block out and, and swing back and, and um, swing for lethal. Doesn't happen, unfortunately, and that's kind of where we end up. So, yeah, end up X3 uh, and missing missing top eight. Um, but as it turned out, yeah, if I won that match, it would have snuck in at eighth, I believe. Uh, we pushed Matt up to seventh. Yeah, for sure. So let's start with mine. Um, mine goes a little brutal. So I start off against an old time. Um, also, old him fatigue, hard fatigue, but uh, swinging a bit more, a bit more aggressive. And what got me in this match was the it was the, the too many cards. If I played less cards, I really think that that probably would have gone in my favor. The reason why the the cards were like playing the more cards really hurt me here was that you have to manage your life to where you're able. We've talked about this already in this podcast, where you can take the hit and then play your sting, sting, blah blah blah, and you can set it up pretty easily. I had set up perfectly on my deck. Um, you know, I have the sting in arsenal, I have the sting in hand, and I have. You know, a couple balls and I'm going to draw you know, some more or something like that. And I just go down to a life threshold that I'm too low at. He ends up just uh, Kronos eating on his turn and like ripping the Natty Glacial and like, you know, killing me anyway. But, uh, you know, if it, if it had just been a swing, then it may have been okay. Thing was, it just took me so long to get down to yeah, the, my sick. pitch stack that I just like I was just dying, right? Um, which is brutal. And you have to apply like enough pressure to where they can't be like glacialing you and doing things like this. So that was unfortunate, and I remember like when he glacial when he made with me for the win. You know, I just flipped my arsenal in my hand, and I flipped the next you know the next couple cards I'm about to draw. It's literally the perfect the perfect sequence, like you know, like essentially the OTK. Unfortunate, but it's it's obviously just like a, a missed sideboard mistake. Mm-hmm. Like it's bad theory going into this match that leaves you a bit unprepared. So it's okay. <laughs> Losing the first one never great. Then I go against Icelexi. So Icelexi, I felt very underprepared. <laughs> But I also, it ended up being a brutal match. Like, Channel Like Frigid was on the field for um, three flow counters. And then one Channel Like Frigid was actually pitched. And then the other one was also drawn and put into Arsenal face up. So it was just ready to go. And we saw two, three of a kinds in those few turns as well. I was just totally locked. Like, I I was in prison, basically. Couldn't do anything. Um, It was brutal. So, yeah. But I did definitely misplay a turn earlier um, in the early game because I just kind of forgot that Blizzard Bolt was going to affect like a lightning surge that came after um, and they got me pretty bad but it's okay so I'm out right at uh, now x3 I'm out of the calling but I just play the next two for ELO and just for fun I mean my friends are going to be playing out anyway play a mirror 
um, win that one and then play against an aggressive Bravo and win that one as well. <laughs> I really like the way I won the game against the Bravo. He, he was kind of blocking out right at the end. But I have, um, I can't remember exactly what it is, but basically I have like Sting. I think I, I've had Sting and then I have like Pulse of Candle Hold or something. And then you like, you know, you, you play out the Sting, you Pulse or what was it? I don't know. You put the two balls on. The turn before and you set up. Yeah, you Arsenal the Sting and then you Pulse the two ball lightnings and then you have this like pseudo kind of pitch stacked S turn um, to win it out. So that was cool to do. And then I end up going eight and three. Um, Hayden, I think you ended, right? You said eight Yeah, eight and three. three. Sorry, I think I said my three. Eight and three. Yeah, there was 11 rounds. <laughs> Wishful thinking that there should have been 12 rounds. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I mean, uh, good news. Dante makes top eight. He's first seed. So Dante actually hits into the last round undefeated. I must demand Dante. <laughs> a little bit lax hitting into that last round. He's getting himself an IP5 because he's late to his uh, final match. He's, he's thinking, I've already locked up top seed, you know, I've just got to dawdle a bit. He was uh, like, he was, th- he was like 30 seconds late. He t- said he was mid wipe, just hurt himself on the intercom, came running over, and then boom, IP5. Yeah, a bit so, but like in the end, obviously, it doesn't matter because <laughs> he just ends first seed. But first seed actually turns out probably not where Dante wanted to be because you know what he gets to play against? Worst matchup in the top eight. Oh, Maddie Rogers on the Viscerai. So they're running it back from the Swiss round where Dante was able to win, and they run it back in top eight, and Matt is able to get his vengeance. Uh, pretty, yeah. I mean, that deck was built to prey to prey on Briar, so pretty, uh, pretty rough having Matt bubble in, and then Dante actually being first seed and having to play the you know the worst yeah. one there to start off. Yeah, yeah, tough one. But look, congratulations to Dante. Dante hits uh, two. Two top eights this season of the of the four calling. So you know, great stuff from. You know, I'm very proud of Dante, uh, and obviously he's a big contributor to our team and, and what we do. So it's good to see him bank those those two PCIs as well. And I know next time he'll get a trophy. It's coming. <laughs> so now we get to go to my favorite time of the entire trip. Oh yeah, you were you were so happy about this. So and, and rightly so. My goodness, so I've been trying to get Mister Z Bun a ta- a PTI. And, uh, for those that don't know, just just for those who might not know, you know, I'm, I'm sure they do know who Zach Bunn is, but maybe just a quick, uh, who is Zach Bunn? Yeah, so Zach Bunn, um, he's the CEO of Team Covenant. You know, he's played a bunch of other games before. A lot of you know, a lot of people know them from their streams, um, and obviously they do the you know subscription service with the tokens, all that good stuff. So Zach's been playing a lot with us recently. <laughs> We've been putting in a lot of work to get Zach his PTI, and he's been taking some pretty rough, you know, kind of some unlucky beats recently. And uh, like I said, he almost didn't play his ProQuest. I remember he goes 6-0 in the, um, in the sealed portion. I hear, you know, they were drafting. Me and Hayden were doing something else in the menu. We come back, and I hear, like, someone just, yeah, like, the draft was terrible. I was like, oh, goodness. He's like, yeah, it was five Briars. It was it like, two, two old times and one Lexi. Lexi. Yeah. So I go walk over to the table. Mr. Zach Bunn is on Briar. I was like, oh, goodness. Playing into the one Lexi as and well. And then playing into the one Lexi, I was like, it's over. Turns out he wins. And then I think, I don't know what he plays against after that, but basically we get back and he's in the finals. Yeah, he plays in the, I think he plays Briar Briar. Uh, and, uh, yeah, and the yeah. other Briar beats the old time for him, yeah. the fatigue old time. <laughs> um, so no, he played the old time, but the old time didn't fatigue him. Ah, gotcha, yeah, yeah. So Zach is in the finals against a Briar, and uh, there was a key turn. Zach had lethal 10, 10 ways out of 10. He had lethal, and he, and he sat there, and he was thinking for like 10 minutes just to make sure he had the, you know, he had it, right? Blocks um, with one card from hand. You know, plays the um, Electrify out of Arsenal, Plume of Evergrowth, Deep Blue, Plume, Earth Lore Surge, then plays 
what was it, Vela Flash? Yeah, Vela Flash but came in for seven. Hold on, I made it for, we forgot something there. What comes yeah. after the Earth Lore Surge? That's an embodiment of Lightning Token. Yes, he missed it. He missed the embodiment yeah, of Lightning. Because he's one resource floating to, to oh. come in with the. Uh, it was lethal. It was so rough. And then we're like, oh, he just punted it away, right? Luckily, his opponent's hand wasn't able to crack back too well. The Electrify gets, you know, two embodiments and gets his opponent down to one. One's a pretty brutal place to be. Uh, you know, they kind of hit each other with wet noodles for a couple turns. <laughs> and then Zach Arsenal's in Inspire Lightning. I'm looking at Zach's hand. I see him draw up and get the weave and has two block cards. I go, you know, go around the table. I you know, saw the opponent didn't have the lethal. And I just like, I was like, here we go. And then right as Zach plays his uh, Inspire Lightning, I just took a little video of him playing. And you get to see, like, I put it on Twitter and you get to see, like, his, like, kind of raw reaction. And it, it was... It was pretty awesome. It's so, it's so wholesome. Yeah, it's very, very wholesome. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I actually wanted to say the, the, the funny thing about that turn. So I'm watching this game as well. We're all sat around watching. There's probably about 30 people, 40 people standing around watching at this point. Yeah. And we're me, Brendan, Dante, uh, Tim, Zach's brother, all standing around. And this happens with the lightning token. And I, I'm, I'm next to Tim and I go, is he announced, Tim goes, he's, he's, maybe he's announced the trigger, but just hasn't put the token down. I'm like, I think, I think he's forgotten it. I think he's forgotten it. And he has one resource floating, so he can come with the weapon afterwards for two and two to yeah. present lethal. It wouldn't have been lethal on the turn, the opponent would have blocked, but represented. And then halfway through, his opponent thinking about the block, Zach, I've missed the token, right? Yeah. Ask the, ask the judge, missed the trigger, right? Opponent declines to put the trigger uh, there. But then I th the opponent, you know, they got forgets a little bit. It, forgets yeah, about the electrify. Forgets about the electrify. <laughs> And uh, ends up only blocking for six, taking one, which ends up being four, which puts the him down to one. Yeah, exactly. So a weird sequence of events that ends up, uh, you know, one mistake by Zach, but then, uh, you know, Zach's opponent as well, unfortunately, makes the, the mistake to miss block. And then uh, from then on, has to block with two cards every turn, right? Yep. Because Zach's presenting lethal every turn. He uh, dies to Sigil, which Zach has exactly. on his deck and also obviously dies to the Inspire Lightning. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. pretty, pretty brutal, but it was, you know, uh, it's awesome. Like I'm happy it worked out. I remember when he missed that token, like I started like pacing and sweating. I felt like, you know, my stomach had dropped out of my body and everybody, people were, oh, I, I had to, I had I, lift. Yeah, he, I had to go for a walk. Yeah. <laughs> people were consoling me. They're like, it's okay, Ryan. I was like, I was like no, I missed the token. I've been in that situation. I, I had a, I went in for a PTI uh, event in Auckland calling and I, the turn went very long and I just was trying to play fast to get through time. And I miss my Snapdragon Dragon Scales. Yep. My Snapdragon Scales. It's, it's it's a terrible position to be in. And you, your 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 stomach falls out of your body, right? But you just have to you just have to try and find a way to win the game. Mistakes happen. You moved on, and and Zach ended up did, doing that and um and finding the line to win. So so yeah, I mean, just, just an awesome result. So yeah, that's I mean that's kind of the weekend, right? Mm -hmm. Um, an awesome time. You know, uh, I think we hang around. A little bit longer um and then as i say we, we go and catch up with with some of our, our patrons which is an awesome experience and yeah i mean orlando's been such a such a cool time it's been awesome playing the calling ultimately you know i feel i felt really unprepared coming into the event and i think i want to ask you a question brendan as we sort of get towards the end of the pod just about the process and and um things that would change but felt really unprepared I didn't make this call until what ten days ago that I was going to come. I didn't. I, I didn't have a deck that I really wanted to play. I did actually. I really wanted to play Viserai, uh, but I didn't feel prepared enough for a couple of matchups and the change in the meta that was happening uh, to the point where I wanted to change cards and didn't feel confident enough in those changes to test it in time. Um, so that leads me to my question, right? Which is, in hindsight, right after this event, 
you got two weeks leading to the event. You know, UK Nationals is about to happen this weekend. We're going back two weeks back in time. Mm-hmm. What would you change about the process that we as a team or you as Brendan Patrick went through in those two weeks leading up to US Nationals? So for me, I think that the, the issue happened before that, right? Like the entire season, there was kind of, I just think that our overall strategy and organization needed to be a bit more targeted to finding the deck, right? Finding a deck and committing to it at least. And we were kind of just all over the place for a while, you know, on the really predictable stuff like Reinars and we were on the Visfire for a little bit and then the Briar. Um, but yeah, if we were two weeks out, I mean, I think, I mean, probably the right choice, like the easy choice and the right choice would have been just to be on that Lightning Briar deck. Um, but mm-hmm. it's hard because like we were looking at, you know, ice and stuff like that, but you could reasonably expect Prism and Bravo to be a reasonable, uh, could you know, be a part of the meta. Yeah. And Bravo for Ice actually is pretty tough, and Prism for a lot of other decks can be pretty tough. Um, we ended up not seeing as much Prism as I would have expected, at least on day two for really sure. Really dropped off. Yeah, really dropped off. Um, but yeah, I think for me, I would have just committed to the Light and Briar deck. Uh, I think you could reasonably anticipate that people, there wouldn't be a large shift. To counter it, there'd be a large shift to um, to play it. To play it, yeah. but the thing is, if you're going to win the event, if you're, go- if you're playing to win the event, it's hard to be like, you know, I'm going to play that deck and then just hope to not run into like the best players that are playing a deck that counters my deck, which is you know what like Matt did, right? Yeah, yeah, but I th- I think so. It depends on what your goal is. First of all, obviously, if it's to win, you're probably going to have to beat the best deck that beats your deck. The best, yeah, exactly. If you're playing the most popular deck, like that is pretty standard. But I think, uh, and this happened, I mean, Matt lost the semifinals to a Briar, Dante beat Matt in the Swiss. Like, it's not that the Abyssal deck has a 100% yeah, matchup, right? Not. But it is favored, and it has a strategy that works really well into Briar. So I think in the end, I think we were talking about this, right? And this is the decision that I came down to with, like, the Abyssal versus the Briar, is that in this current format where that Briar list is already really tuned, uh, I think was the right decision for this weekend. I, I, was, I said this to, to Brendan, actually, like, I feel like there's a line. I'm, I'm using my hands right here. No one can see this. Doesn't matter. But I think there's a line, right, of when you choose a deck and and when a meta evolves, and you can either be like slightly ahead of the line, and you you know you you you're in the right position, or you're slightly behind the line, and uh, that being slightly behind can mean that you actually get really punished by how the meta evolves that weekend. And I think in the end, with the list that we had, we were slightly ahead of the line. I think if we played a different list, we would be slightly behind the line. Um, so I just think it was, you know, come next weekend, I think that's a completely different story. I think it's, uh, it's hard to say that you, you know, you'd feel as, as confident heading into that Saturday morning with that list as you would, you know, next weekend at a different event. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, it, like from a theory base, I wouldn't feel, but it seems like, you know, in this region, people tend to like very much commit to decks that look like lightning Briar, right? Like they're, they're easy to switch to, they're linear, they're proactive, they're punishing, and they're just, you know, they're strong. So we've seen, we've seen kind of like in the history of you know, the small history we have of fab in this region is that people will stick to those decks um, despite the theory being like, you know, you might get countered or you, there's a very high likelihood that people will target you. So next weekend does a switch? I don't know. Um, but, you know, we'll see. Well, uh, yeah, I think we're progressively going to see that move. We're going to see people pick up the Viscerate deck. We're going to see people pick up... I mean, Old Time just won the calling. We're yeah. going to see people pick up Old Time. We saw Isaac Jensen top eight with the the Frost Lexi with the Ice Lexi deck. Like, we are going to see this happen. It's not like it's not going to happen. So this meta is going to move. Will it completely shift next week? No, I mean, that's not how meta games work, right? They take, they take time to shift. If it was, say, a Pro Tour next weekend, yeah, you'd probably see a really large jump yeah. because the amount of, like, players and effort in those is... 
is at a different a different level, right? It's a different degree. Uh, but when it's a, maybe it's an open event or it's even a nationals, people have already locked into decks, right? Like there's there's some logistical issues to to change a meta that quickly. So yeah, and I think the last thing I want to say, we're talking about like the theory, right? Of you know going back and forth about the season and the failures probably for us that we re- we're going to reflect on as we head towards next year and next season. Uh, ultimately, uh, there's like two schools of thought. I think on how you approach a, a metagame in Flesh and Blood and Classic Constructed, especially a new format, is that you go and try and find the best thing, regardless of what hero that is. You try and find the best strategy, right? Uh, or you you adapt to a current strategy within the meta. Or the second school of thought, and one that I think we started exploring, but we probably did a hybrid of this, and it was a mess, I think, yeah. is really what happened, is that you, you pick out maybe one or two heroes that you think have the strongest sort of set of cards right now and are probably going to naturally... Uh, play well based off the previous format and you just explore those to their absolute depth right to find the best possible deck and then as the meta changes with like you know UK Nationals things like that then you adapt uh, unless you have just an unless your hero just does not play well into that but you know it's probably it's probably unlikely there's almost always ways to do it and there is you know if we talk, talk about Brightening Light, uh, Lightning Briar there's at least four or five uh, heroes in this format that definitely have good strategies that they can play into that deck so yeah definitely so I hope you all enjoyed that the first time meeting and the rundown of the Orlando calling and nationals for the United States. Again, congratulations to Tarek and was it Michael, Michael yeah, yeah, who won yeah. the calling. Um, just want to shout out the Arsenal Pass YouTube page. We do have tons of extra content in there, deck text, gameplay, um, as well as a new section coming. It's going to be called State of the Meta, which we're planning to do weekly. Um, this is basically just going to be us talking about what, what's on the cutting edge, right? Um, what's competitive and what's, you know, what's winning games and what we expect to impact that. Right. So just kind of a, like a time in the round, but for the competitive side um, and for, you for know, actually playing the game for the metagame. It's a good way of putting it. So that should be coming soon. I think we're going to be filming that either tonight or tomorrow morning. Um, Hayden and I are both on Twitter. I'm located at Brendan APG. Hayden is located at Fiendale, F I E N underscore Dale. Um, and finally, just huge shout out to the patrons the Arsenal Pass Patreon does have tons of exclusive content, like I said, with the Cyber Guides, um, extra podcasts, live sessions, and of course, the actual, the, the newly, the playmats, which hopefully we might <laughs> in the future get a yeah, new run of. I'm sure. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. See you later.